You know, as I was thinking about it, preparing for this morning, I, I just thought to myself that it's a strange thing to try to sum up a person's entire life in just a few words, yet we try to do that, don't we? And, and sometimes we try to do that. But how do you sum up a person's life in just a few words? Well, you'll see people, maybe an author, try to do that in his bio, or you might see people do that, I don't know, in some sort of a profile or something online, or, or maybe you've seen this one often, people will try to sum up a person's life life maybe by eulogizing them at their funeral. But it's something that we try to do. We try to sum up a person's life by just a few words from time to time. And that's basically what we're doing when we do those things. And sometimes I want you to know that the Bible does that same thing. Did you know that? For example, in Acts chapter 11 and verse 24, you will read that Barnabas, and I love this, Barnabas was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. What a great way to have your life summed up, isn't it? Think about that. I would love for people to say of me, at the end of my time, you know that Scott Harms was a good man, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was full of faith. Acts 7 says of Joseph, when summing up his life, it says that God was with him. That's how chapter 7 of the book of Acts summarizes the life of Joseph. And I just thought as I considered those four words that they really sum up the entirety of the life of Joseph. God was with him. God was with him, regardless of his circumstances. Regardless of all of the things that had happened in the life of Joseph, the Bible says that God was with him. God was with him. And that summary is actually based on Genesis chapter 39. And so this morning I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament book of Genesis. It's the book of beginnings. It's the very first book in the Bible. And we're going to take a look at chapter 39. And you're going to find that four times in Genesis chapter 39 alone, the scripture tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. So consider him for a few minutes. And I know most of you remember Joseph from your time in Sunday school and you have a good understanding of the history of Joseph, but many of you have faced many crummy things, and that's exactly what happened to Joseph. He had faced some pretty crummy things in his life. And I know that many of you have experienced some crummy things, and I think especially lately that's true, but I want you to know that as bad as things are, few people have ever experienced things that were as difficult as Joseph. Yet in the middle of it all, Joseph endured and he advanced in his life. He advanced in his faith because the Lord was with him. That's what the Word tells us. The Lord was with him. And in fact, when I think about the life of Joseph, I think that it's a perfect illustration of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And I want to encourage you by knowing that I believe that your life is also a perfect illustration of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And this is what it says. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I believe that Joseph probably knew that of himself. I believe that Joseph was convinced that God was working all things together for good in his life. And I believe that Joseph knew that he had been called according to the purpose of God. In fact, when you reach the end of the book of Genesis, after Joseph's 
trial and his testing and all the terrible things that happened to him, if you will look back then in chapter 50 and verse 20, you will see that Joseph said to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God what? God meant it for good. All of the terrible things that you had done, all of the things that you intended to be evil against me, God meant it for good. Doesn't that sound like an Old Testament summary of of Romans 8.28? Isn't that exactly what that sounds like? Joseph says, all of these bad things God took and he used them for good. He intended those for good. And we know that those who love God, for them all things work out together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It sounds exactly like Romans chapter 8. And that is Joseph confessing to his brothers that all of the crummy things that they had done to him, all of the crummy things that had happened in his life, God worked out to produce spiritual growth in Joseph's life. The Lord was with Joseph and everything was working together for his good. Joseph was one of 12 boys and he was his dad's favorite. His dad gave him special treatment. He gave him a special coat. He showed him special affection above the other brothers. He gave him special treatment. And the other 11 noticed it. How could they not notice it? In fact, they noticed it and it infuriated them. They became spiteful and they became resentful of the treatment that dad gave to Joseph. They were angry about it. They envied him. They were very, very jealous of him. And they allowed their resentment and their anger to drive them to some pretty bad sin. I'm sure most of you remember the story. His brothers were so jealous of him that they actually captured him and threw him in a pit and held on to him there until a caravan came along and then they sold their own brother as a slave into Egypt. Imagine that. And so by the 39th chapter of the book of Genesis, Joseph, the young man, at about the age of 17, was a slave in Egypt. And I just wonder, the day that his brothers threw him into the pit, can you just hear Joseph's voice crying out to them. I mean, these are his 11 brothers. They've captured him and they've thrown him into a pit and he's probably crying out to them, guys, don't do this to me. Please don't, don't do this. You can have my coat. Don't do this to me. And as he sat there in the pit, crying out, sobbing and screaming to his brothers, I don't think that he could ever have imagined how God would take that evil, that wicked event, and turn it into something that would produce such good in the life of Joseph. But that's exactly what God did. That's exactly what God was going to do, and God knew it on that very day. He was going to take crummy circumstances, circumstances that were the worst that you could imagine, and he was going to use them to display his faithfulness that Joseph might grow strong in his faith. God was bringing certain disciplines to the life of Joseph through incredibly difficult circumstances. You see, God was carrying Joseph through a period of training in his life, through a period of teaching, in order to help Joseph to prepare to be the man that God wanted him to be. God was shaping him. And sometimes that's painful. So I want to take some time this morning to show you some more principles or some principles of spiritual growth from the life of Joseph. And the very first thing that I want you to see is that the Lord trained Joseph by making him a servant. So here's Joseph, this 17-year-old Israelite boy who's been ripped from the arms of his father, 
and he's now being sold and he's on his way into a life of slavery in a foreign country. He's never been there before. He's been safe at home all of these years, well cared for by his dad, and now at the age of 17, everything that he has ever known has been ripped away from him. He's tied to the side of a wagon. You can imagine that he could probably hear the crack of the whip of the slave master behind him cracking the whip around his head. He can hear his brothers laughing and mocking him as he's pulled away by his new owners. He's ripped away from the loving care of his father. He's all alone. He has no family. He has none of his possessions with him. He's all alone. He has nothing. And now he's in a strange land. He sees sights that are strange to him. Things that he's never seen before. Customs that he's never seen before. His dad, whom he loved so much, is not there to bring comfort and encouragement to him. You can imagine how he could probably always count on his dad to help protect him. He knew that he could always count on his dad to be a help to him. He could always look to his dad when he was in difficult times. He could always count on his dad to put his arms around him and to comfort him and to encourage him. But now his dad was gone. And Joseph, the 17-year-old boy, was just an unknown slave in a new world, a place he'd never been before Just a piece of property, that's all he was now. But even during this impossible time, I want you to know that God was with him. He felt all alone. He felt isolated. He felt like he had absolutely nothing left. But I want you to know that God was with him. And God gave him opportunity to grow in his faith. Friends, can I encourage you this morning? That no matter how difficult the times are that you're facing, no matter how difficult the circumstances that you may find yourselves in this morning, no matter how poorly people have treated you, people that you may have trusted in your life, and yet they are still treating you poorly, no matter how badly people treat you, no matter how bad your situation is, no matter how abandoned you may feel, I want you to know God is with you. And I want you to know That even in the impossible circumstances that you find yourselves in right now, God is going to give you opportunity through the difficult times to grow in your faith. Sometimes, like Joseph, God allows you to face hardship. And as he was there facing hardship, he was forced to do menial work, meaningless jobs, And I want you to know that sometimes God gives you just little jobs which may even seem menial and worthless to you. And I want you to know that He gives those to you to give you the opportunity to be faithful in service that you can grow in your faith. Be faithful in the little things. Don't despise them. Embrace them and be faithful in them. And then when you're faithful, I want you to know that God will expand your opportunity. God will provide new opportunities for you. He will enlarge your capacities and He will use you in a greater way. And so the Lord was with Joseph in his servitude. The Lord was with him as he was a slave. And Joseph, I want you to know, was a good and committed slave, if you can imagine. 
He was a good and committed servant. He worked hard. He did the very best that he could with every single task. He did as Colossians 3 encourages us to do. He worked with his whole heart as unto the Lord. That's what he did while he was in slavery. Can you imagine that? He worked without complaining. He did his very best. And I believe that Joseph was so faithful in his work, even in the most adverse circumstances. He was so faithful in his work that his faith in the Lord and his devotion to God were obvious to everyone. I think everyone could see that. And I want you to know that that same principle still applies to us today. You and I have an opportunity to be a witness to those people who are around us. And if God is the ruling authority in your life, people are going to know it. You'll show it in your work ethic. You'll show it in your faithfulness, even in the small things. You'll show it in your lack of complaining. You'll show it in your behavior and when you are committed and joyful, even in the menial and seemingly meaningless acts of life, when you are joyful, even in the worst circumstances, you can bear witness to the fact that God is living and active in your life. That's what you're doing. So God was with Joseph at his time of struggle and he caused everything that Joseph touched to prosper. Don't you love that? Here is this boy who is now a slave. And he's just doing the best he can with each of the tasks that he's given. And God uses Joseph and he prospers everything that Joseph touches. And because of God's blessing on Joseph's life, I want you to know he was so blessed that that blessing even spilled over and it spilled out onto Joseph's master, Potiphar. Can you imagine what must have been going through Potiphar's mind? You've bought this little slave boy, and you don't know what it is, but everything that little Jewish slave of mine touches gets better. Everything that he touches is improved. I've had more than I've ever had because of this boy. I'm more prosperous than I've ever been. That kid is great. And so because everything that he touched was prosperous, you know what Potiphar did? Gave him more. Potiphar put Joseph in charge of absolutely everything. Personally, I think that's great leadership on Potiphar's part. I think it's good discernment. Wise guy. He sees that everything this boy touches prospers, so let's give him more. And this is what I love about Joseph's life. Because it's so much like mine, and I wonder if it's a lot like yours, but think about this. Things were great until they weren't. Is that your life? Yeah, that's my life. I mean, things are great until they're not great anymore. You see, he was his dad's favorite. He had this really cool coat. Everybody loved his coat. He was, I mean, he had special care and he had special love. And then he didn't. He was sold into slavery and he had absolutely nothing. They even took his coat from him. And then while he was in slavery, God blessed him and things were great. His life was good. Everything that he touched prospered and things were great for him even while he was a slave until they weren't. I want you to take a look at what happens as he's serving in Potiphar's house, verse 6 of chapter 39 tells us, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He's a good-looking dude. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on him, and she said, Joseph, come lie with me. And of course, Joseph, being a good servant and a godly man, he said, no way. I have everything I want. Things are going really good for me. My boss trusts me. I could never do that to my boss. God is blessing me and I could never dishonor God in that way. Things are going great for me. I'm not going to touch you. Things are great until 
they weren't. You know the story, right? Potiphar's wife makes arrangements for Joseph and herself to be alone. She tries to seduce him. He says, no way. He tries to take off running, and as he runs away, she grabs his robe. He's leaving in such a hurry that she ends up pulling the robe right off of him, and he runs away naked. She, of course, couldn't handle the fact that she had been rejected by this young slave boy. And so then, when her husband comes home, when Potiphar comes home, this is what she says in verse 17. The Hebrew servant that you brought among us came in to laugh at me. He came in here to make game of me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and ran out of the house. Potiphar heard the story, and of course, he believed his wife. And so now he was absolutely furious at Joseph. And verse 20 says, Joseph's master, this is Potiphar, took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there he was in prison. I think Potiphar's reaction was probably pretty predictable. I don't think it was very wise, but it was predictable. You see, he trusted Joseph with everything. He trusted Joseph with absolutely everything that he owned. Joseph had never been anything less than perfectly faithful to Potiphar. Joseph had proven his character time and time again over the faithful handling of Potiphar's estate. Under his supervision, Potiphar had become very wealthy. He was blessed. Joseph was blessed. Joseph was probably very happy. Things were going great for him. And then they weren't. Now, Here he is, a perfectly innocent man. Imagine, put yourself here, a perfectly innocent man sitting in jail with hardened criminals and thugs. His position of great honor and favor had once again been stripped from him. And now here he is, a prisoner living in a pit. And I imagine if I were him, how I may have responded. Have you ever thought of that? I mean, how would you respond to this if you were Joseph? I would probably say something like, God, why in the world would you allow this to happen to me? Have you ever said that? Why would you have allowed this to happen to me? I was totally faithful. I've tried to do absolutely everything right. All I wanted was to honor you, and this is how I'm treated. My own brother sold me into slavery, and even then I honored you by doing what was right, and now I'm in jail for it. And for what? I did not touch that woman. I did not do anything wrong. And you have totally abandoned me. And I think from purely a human standpoint, I think Joseph probably would have been completely justified to feel that way, don't you? He was suffering unfair treatment. And here he is again at the very, very bottom. He's at his absolute lowest He felt completely abandoned, I'm sure. And I love what verse 21 tells us. Look at this. But the Lord was what? The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him steadfast love, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Don't you love that? Here he is at the very lowest point in his life, but the word tells us the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. God was with Joseph. He was with him in the time of his greatest blessing. And he was with him, friends hear me, even at the time of his very lowest when he was sitting in prison. God was with him. 
God was still with him. And it's interesting to me to note that verse 1 of, of chapter 39 tells us that Potiphar was a captain of the guard. And what that means is that he was an official in the court of Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. So Potiphar was pretty high up the food chain. He was pretty high up there. And because he had Joseph put in jail based on the false testimony of his wife, we have to assume that he at least had some level of responsibility that gave him authority to have people thrown in jail. So he was pretty, pretty elevated. But Potiphar himself had taken note that the Lord was with Joseph. It was obvious, wasn't it? God's hand of blessing was all over Joseph. And now, here in verse 21, for the second time in our passage, Joseph, as he's sitting in jail, we see that the Word tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. Do you see that? The Lord was with him. And it's obvious. In fact, it was so obvious that the man who was in charge of the prison put Joseph in charge of everything. He put Joseph in charge of everything, and the Bible tells us that he paid no attention to anything because Joseph was in charge and the Lord was with him. Everything that Joseph did, even as he was in prison, succeeded. The warden had so much confidence in Joseph that he literally allowed the inmate to run the asylum. So even in prison... Even in the most difficult times, there was still prosperity. I wonder, as Joseph sat in the pit, how prosperous do you think he felt? God was with him. Well, as you know, it wasn't long, and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, became angry with a couple of other people in his court, and he sent them to prison as well. It was there that they, that uh, was actually the king's personal cupbearer and his personal baker, met Joseph. And so while these two guys are in prison there with Joseph under his care, they had dreams that perplexed them. They were very, very troubling to them. And Joseph noticed how troubled they were. And he asked them, what is the problem? What's going on, guys? What, what is troubling you so much? And so the men told Joseph about their dream. And Joseph, as you will recall, I'm sure, interpreted both of the dreams. And three days later, Joseph's interpretations were proven to have been correct. Three days later. Baker was killed by Pharaoh. The cupbearer was restored to his position. And I want to fast forward two years. Listen, two years later, Pharaoh himself has a dream. Can't figure out what's going on. It's really troubled him. He's perplexed. He sent his his servants out all over the region to find wise men and magicians or anybody who could help interpret his dreams. And none of them, of course, could help him. The cupbearer then remembered about this Jewish boy who had been in prison with him two years earlier. And he went to Pharaoh and he said, Hey, I remember this Jewish boy named Joseph. And he told me what my dream meant and it came true in three days. And so Pharaoh then immediately calls to Joseph. And Joseph, as you remember, was able to accurately interpret Pharaoh's dream. And then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man in the known world at the time said this of Joseph in verse 38, chapter 41. Can we find a man like this in whom the Spirit, in whom is the Spirit of God? Is there anyone like him? Is there anyone like this man with the Spirit of God in him to such a great extent? Pharaoh himself said this of Joseph. Now I remind you that prior to his wrongful imprisonment, Joseph had been in charge of the household of Potiphar, who himself was a servant to the king. 
And Potiphar, as you remember, recognized that God was with Joseph. And now the king of Egypt himself is confessing that the Spirit of God is on Joseph. In spite of all of the crummy circumstances, in spite of all of the crummy mistreatment, in spite of all the wrongful accusation and false imprisonment, Joseph, who had been away from his own home for 11 years now, He's 28 years old at this point. He's been away from home for 11 years. Many of those in prison was acknowledged by the king of Egypt to have the Spirit of God on him. It's the third time now in this passage that somebody has said that of Joseph. Can I just pause here for a minute? I just want you to know that there is nothing more impactful to your testimony on behalf of Jesus Christ than a godly disposition when you're in times of great struggle. There's nothing more impactful than that. How many times do you recall a loved one who was maybe dealing with a terrible illness or dealing with other horrible circumstances and you look back and you reflect saying, man, I never heard him complain. He always had a sweet disposition even during the most difficult times. And I want you to know that there's nothing more impactful to your testimony than that. Joseph did not walk into the king's court that day defeated. He did not walk into the room with his head down. He did not walk in looking like he hadn't had a bath in several days. He didn't act like the world had been feeding him a steady diet of terrible, intolerable, unfair situations for the last 11 years, which it most certainly had. But he didn't walk around like that was the way things were. The Bible tells us that he took a bath, he shaved his face, he cleaned himself up, and he walked right into the king's presence under the power of the Spirit of God. This slave, this prisoner, walked into the room that was occupied by the most powerful man in the world at the time, and he walked right in with his head up under the power of the Spirit of God. And I wonder... As I go through difficult times, would the world see that same charisma in me? Do you think they would see that same character in me? What about you? Many of you are struggling with some terrible circumstances right now, aren't you? And I wonder, are you considering it pure joy as James encourages us, as James instructs us? Are you walking into the room with your head up in the power of the Spirit of God? Or do you look like you haven't had a bath in weeks? Do you walk around defeated, with your head down, complaining all of the time? Not Joseph. Joseph walked into the room with his head up, under the power of the Spirit of God, and you know what happened? He got promoted. Take a look at verse 39. He says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, There is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring, From his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and clothed him in garments of fine linen, and put a gold chain around his neck, and he made him ride in his second chariot. And I love this. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over everything in the land. Joseph was once the servant of Potiphar, 
And now Potiphar bowed the knee to Joseph when he walked in the room. Joseph now ruled Potiphar. Joseph now ruled everything and everyone else in the nation. And so he became indescribably successful. And as you know, it wouldn't be long that his brothers were suffering from the famine. And as they suffered from the famine, they were unaware, of course, that Joseph was now in charge of all of Egypt. And so they made their way to Egypt looking for food, looking for a way to survive the terrible famine that had hit the land. And there they ran into Joseph, and Joseph was reconciled with his brothers, and he showed them great favor, he showed them great mercy. But I wonder, all those years earlier, and this is what I want you, I want you to consider this, all those years earlier, had Joseph been able to avoid the pit? Had he been able to avoid being ripped from his father's arms? Had he been able to avoid the torment of being sold into slavery? Do you think he would have done it? Absolutely. I think he would have. And those years that he languished in the Egyptian prison, do you think that he would have preferred to go home to be with his dad? Do you think had he been given the opportunity to get up and leave and go back home to be with his father, do you think he would have done that? I think so. Yet, had he not gone through the struggle, had he not endured the hardship, he never would have known the extent of God's rich faithfulness. Had he not gone through the difficult times, had he not gone through the injustice, had he not made his way through the struggle, he never would have had the capacity to help his family. He never would have had the capacity to help them survive. And I want you to know that probably he and his family very well may have died during the famine. There's no doubt that Joseph endured some terrible, indescribable injustice and wickedness not only at the hands of his own brothers, but at the hands of Potiphar's wife. But as he himself observed, what those people meant for evil, God meant for good. And do you know why? Because all things work out to good for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are called according to His purpose. Joseph was called according to the purpose of God. Can I tell you something else? You have been called according to the purpose of God. You can be sure of that. You have been called according to the purpose of God. And I want to say to you that you need to understand that if you are a genuine believer, you have been called according to God's purpose and He will work out all things to your good. Do you see? If you are a genuine believer, you have been called according to the purpose of God, and He will work all things together for your good. Just like He did with Joseph, He will take circumstances that others intended for evil against you, and in His providence, He will use them for your good. Friends, listen to me. If you are going through difficult things right now, and you have been called according to the purposes of God, you can be sure that ultimately they are going to work out to your benefit you are going to be better for having gone through the struggle. That's what God does. He works things out for the good, for those who are called according to His purposes. And I know that there is no way Joseph could see it when he was chained to that wagon and he was being dragged away from his family. There was no way he could have seen it then. 
There's probably no way that he could have seen it out as he was sitting in the smelly pit for all of those years. It didn't happen instantly. In fact, in Joseph's case, it took more than 11 years for, for that to materialize. But in his sovereignty, God was providentially working all of those things together for Joseph's ultimate good and blessing. Do you understand? If you were here last week, I hope that you can remember what we talked about. And we spoke about the fact that life is a process of growth. We spoke about the great sequoia tree and the fact that even though it was approximately 2,200 years old, it's still growing. It's growing because it's still living. And that's also true spiritually speaking. As believers with active faith, you're to be growing. You're to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And last week we mentioned that the primary catalyst of that growth is a deep and meaningful understanding of the Word of God. But this morning you're seeing another principle. This morning you're seeing another principle of spiritual growth and you need to embrace it and get your arms around it. That's what you're seeing at work here in the life of Joseph. You remember back in James chapter 1 earlier this year, James wrote that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and that perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature, you may be complete, not lacking in anything. Friends, listen to me. You need to get your arms around that. It's a very valuable truth. In fact, I'd encourage you to go back to go to our website and look in the sermon archives. It was on January 12th that we talked about that passage. And I want you to listen to that to make sure that you have a complete understanding. But the bottom line is that as you stand in the face of trial, as you stand in the face of difficulty and testing, enduring the pressure, refusing to buckle and refusing to run from your faith, you are being refined and you are being made strong. You're building endurance so that when you face severe testing, you can stand strong. That's the point. That's what Joseph did. He refused to walk away from his faith. He refused to walk away during the difficult times. And he knew that even in the most difficult struggle, God was with him. Do you see? As he faced the betrayal of being sold into slavery, as he faced the shame of being thrown into prison for something he hadn't done, his faith was growing. His faith was being made strong. He was being made more resilient in his faith. And the result of that is absolutely beautiful. When you experience the faithfulness of God in your life, in the very lowest and most difficult times, you become more mature. You become complete. You grow. That's what happens. You become more complete in every spiritual area of your life. You become more well-rounded. There is no part of your spiritual life where you are underdeveloped. That's the message that James was giving us. That's what the struggles and trials that you're going through right now do to you. And that's exactly what they did to Joseph. And that's why at the end of it all, at the end of it all, as he neared the end of his life, he could look back and he could say, it's okay. God intended this for my good. Despite your evil intent, God intended this for my good. 
Joseph knew that God works all things to the good for those who are called according to his purpose. And he knew that in his struggle, God was with him. Friends, I want this morning to be an encouragement to you all to continue to grow in your faith. I know that this room is filled with people who right now are struggling, and there are many people who couldn't be with us today who are struggling. There are people in this room right now who are battling serious illness. There are people who are battling COVID-induced loneliness and isolation. There are people who are facing financial struggle. There are people who are struggling with broken hearts. There are people who are in relationships that are dysfunctional and are fractured. And as you're in the battle, as you're in the struggle, it feels like it's more than you can carry, doesn't it? I can't take any more. There's nothing good that can come out of this. Enough is enough. I've been struggling for long enough. I've battled this illness for years. I've been in this terrible relationship for years. There's nothing good that can come from it. But friends, I want you to know God is with you. Remain under it. Allow it to do its refining work against you. Remain and know that no matter what, you have the promise that He is going to work it out for your ultimate spiritual advantage. At the end of it all, you're going to be able to look back and you're going to be able to say, you know what? God was always with me. He was working this tragedy for my good. And I want you to know that at that point, your faith will be strengthened and it will be made more complete as you reflect on God's faithfulness to you. So I want you this morning to walk away with a sense of victory. I want you to walk away this morning with a sense of empowerment, knowing that no matter your circumstances, no matter how crummy things are right now, God is with you. The Lord is with you. He is working on your behalf. And you can't see it right now, but you are growing through this. You can't see it right now, but He is making you more complete, friends. The Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you, just as it was with Joseph, where the presence of God is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is victory, there is empowerment, and you can get through it. You can make your way through it, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is power and there is freedom. Remain under it. You can rest today knowing that you're going to make it through this difficult time. You're going to come out stronger. You're going to come out more complete and you're going to be a more confident believer because God is with you. Friends, the Spirit of the Lord is in you. God is with you. I leave you this morning with this promise from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 13, Christ has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear What can man do to me? God is with you. The Spirit of the Lord is in you. Father, I thank you for the truth that you are always working to my ultimate benefit. And I thank you that you have not abandoned us here. 
I thank you that you have not left us to fend for ourselves. And I thank you that no matter how bad it looks, you are still with us and you have not walked away from us. I thank you that you have equipped us with and that you have empowered us by the Spirit of the Lord. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I ask this morning, Lord, that the people of Root River Church will go forward boldly this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that you will be with them and that you will prosper them and that you will strengthen them and that you will make every work of their hands prosperous, we pray in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you will speed them to spiritual growth, that you will speed them to maturity and completeness. Lord, I pray that you would help us to embrace the truth that you work all things, all struggles, all injustice to our ultimate benefit. Help us to walk boldly this morning in the power of your Holy Spirit and in the blessing of God in Jesus' name. Amen.